buildings have often have a very strong narrative. If there is an amazing detail in a great big skyscraper, it's often worth weaving that into a narrative. I think that it's very it's this is when it's good to have an external person come in and help you out because it's it's trying to it takes quite a lot of energy, emotional energy to sit down and think about what the narrative is and then how you're going to tell it. Episode 161. This is The Business of Architecture. Welcome back Architect Nation. This is the show for ambitious architects where you'll discover tips, strategies and secrets for running a profitable and impactful architecture practice. To download your free four-part architect profit map, visit freearchitectgift.com. Today is another episode of the Business of Architecture UK edition. Today's the second half of Ryan Willard's interview with Robert Fine. And that's that's a really interesting theme that comes up when I speak to a lot of architects is actually the process of winning work is more to do on you and your messaging and how you're being perceived as someone valuable as being an expert um but actually a client isn't really they don't know what a good architect is in most of the situations they're not they haven't spent 10 years at architecture school or studying architecture to be able to see whose work is the best or you know people most clients are unaware of what school is a good school to have gone to um and so and so yeah actually it's what we're what we're dealing with is that it's the personality um and coming across as being trustworthy essentially uh and being able to bring and elicit confidence in a client so they feel that they can you know hand over hu- huge sums of money to you to design a building and f- for that process to be working really really well can you think of how I would kind of just uh, just on top of that just say that and this is an incredibly challenging thing mm. in communications is how do you communicate personality yeah and that that's like the golden egg So obviously profiles on individual practices or even the practice heads themselves are a really powerful way of doing that because even if you're being interviewed about a project you know even if it's related to a project you've just completed you really want to you really want to try and again enforce those key messages and explain who you are and what you believe in to the uh, interviewer um and then I th- I think also I do think you know you can write opinion pieces about things you believe in so it might you know and it might even be corporate office fit out that you do for an interior design uh magazine but if you if you if you see a trend or you believe in something you know it's worth contacting that magazine and saying you know do you ever do you ever do kind of thought leadership pieces because I you know I would happily contribute you know 500 1000 words on that subject and that's free content for them from mm. an expert you know you're an architect you've got qualification you're an expert if you've done if you've delivered projects in a certain area before you're an expert so it doesn't matter if you're a big name you don't have to be norman foster or rem coolhouse you know you your opinion has value and i think if you get out there and you stick your neck on the line and say in 15 years all offices will return to cellular from open plan and here's why i believe that's the case not everyone's going to agree with you but you've you'll you'll have an audience who go you know this guy knows his stuff yeah so you've sold yourself necessarily rather than your practice yeah you're kind of you're educating the marketplace in a in a in a sense and you're 
and also that process of writing a blog is helping you establish your vision as well each time you kind of engage in that practice. Yeah, I mean, we do really encourage people to blog actually on their own websites um, or to do guest posts on um, media websites. But uh, that is time consuming. Yeah. And the whole social media thing might have to be another conversation. It is an incredibly tricky landscape and you know an architect should be spending most of their time designing projects not um if they're if they're spending the majority of their time tweeting and <laughs> checking how many likes they've got on an instagram pic i think there's i think there's something wrong yeah with the business um i think i think it's really good to use those social media tools to communicate and they're becoming more and more important but um yeah, you've got to do the work as well, right? Yeah, it's always it's always this constant balance between working in the business and working on the business, and how do you you know structuring the kind of mechanisms to ensure that there's constant flow of of clients and so it's quite interesting actually. How does you know your the PR element differ from marketing? You began to touch upon it earlier. Yeah, so I mean, marketing is more about. I guess your brand, um, the the documents you're producing, and uh, you know presentation tools. Um, PR is very much about those relationships, uh, and it's very much about those stories. Although, I guess marketing can link to that as well. The the lines are really blurred. Mm. Um, maybe it's just best to say PR and marketing. Uh, that was interesting as well because we sp- we spoke before about the art of storytelling, um, and essentially how that is you know that's quite a critical skill for any architect to be very proficient in, is to learn how to sell their projects, how to tell a story about what their work is about, and also that helps them establish their own personality. Um, is there anything you could add to about the you know the storytelling aspect of of PR? Yeah, I think buildings have often have a very strong narrative and the things th- and this is why it's use the things that are interesting to people are often what the architects find interesting so if there is an amazing detail in a great big skyscraper it's often worth weaving that into a narrative and again that even that detail can link back to your core beliefs on how you believe that um, a building or buildings should be put together. So I think that it's very, it's, this is when it's good to have an external person come in and help you out because it's, it's trying to, it takes quite a lot of energy, emotional energy to sit down and think about what the narrative is and then how you're going to tell it. Mm. So, and I think, I think it always stretches from high ideals and concepts for cities, you know, and urban master planning. And then it goes everything from that to kind of world changing stuff down to, you know, door handles and table legs. Um, and so weaving that into a story uh, is quite a complex process. But once you've done it, it's yours and you own it. And you will find that you refer back to it 
again and again and again. And I think, I mean, I started my life as an, we didn't mention this, I started my life as a book editor right. um, for Fiden Press uh, doing architecture books. And I mean, I still believe in the power of printed material. I think it's really nice to have a beautiful book that people can hold and look at and investigate slowly. Um, my main tip on books is don't make massive, huge monograph tomes. Uh, there's there's a famous, well, a semi-famous anecdote uh, in the industry of uh, a, a company that gave huge um, monographs to a delegation of uh, foreign clients who'd flown over to speak to them about a big project, uh, a, a potential project. And then uh, later that day, those same monographs were found in a bin in an airport <laughs> because because the guys couldn't take them on the plane. Yeah, You know, they were like, Two ki- two kilo- kilos each, so no, it's just nice to have lightweight stuff that you can just give out to people or mail out to people, um, and then again, that story, that narrative, is is in those pages. Hopefully, it's not just a flicker book of nice photos and renders. Mm. It should tell a story about who you are. Uh, but then, yeah, and then that story again, it, it should be it could be told pictorially on your Instagram account. Y- you know if. If people if people are just posting up pictures of some nice bricks here and there and stuff, it, it doesn't really mean anything to anyone. But if someone can go back through your old pictures and say, hey, there's a little... There's a story there. There's a story about process. There's a story about inspiration. There's a story about, um, uh, about you know, the fundamental concepts of where these ideas come from. Then that's that is that's really powerful. And that can lead to people saying... I don't know anything about this person. I'm going to give them a call. Wow. Yeah. No, that's what's really interesting. Uh, again, it's just reinforcing that individual, the personality, you know, given these vehicles to uh, allow a company to express that. Yeah, I think, as I said before, I think it's therapeutic to go through the process. And I think some people can do it internally themselves. I've met architects who are very savvy and they just they will regularly get directors and maybe even the entire staff to sit around a table mm. and talk about it. And those practices do really well and they're healthier. Um, but it is difficult to put that time in when you're busy. And sometimes it's it's nice to have someone like me to come in and bug you. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's one of the main jobs of the communicator is to draw out those stories and draw out... Um, those project milestones out of people and then think about how that can then be fed back into the narrative and then how that can then be sort of delivered to the world. Um, It is quite a complex process. Um, And I think because of that, some architects just say, well, then I'm just not even going to bother. I'll just keep on doing what I've been doing and hope for the best. What what are the what are the sort of the clear benefits of of engaging with someone in architectural PR? I I think it's just I mean the first one is having the outsider who comes in and questions you. Um, I mean, obviously, like any profession, there are good and bad practitioners, mm. and so some people will just say, um, "That's great, we can sell all of this." Uh, to lots of different people and they just do it willy-nilly whenever they can. Um, 
and afterwards you look back on the whole set and you think what does this actually say about me it just says I'm just says I'm I'm disparate and that I'm working in lots of different areas um so I think a good a good consultant um should agree a strategy with you that you're happy with yeah and then and I think you'll immediately you should immediately start to feel more confident that um this person is representing you well because they've they've shown that they understand you and if you're worried that your PR consultant doesn't really get it then you should ask some questions yeah because if you just let it if you just let it go on and on and on to the point where um you're getting really dissatisfied with the service the wrong message could be getting out there about you and about your work. So I think it, you should get on with them. It's so it's like the same as hiring an architect. Yeah, that relationship is absolutely absolutely key. Yeah, and if you if it feels like uh, pardon my French, but if it feels like they're blowing smoke up your ass and they're just trying to flatter you, that's another warning sign. Yeah, because they should be questioning you. They should be saying, well, "What does this mean? And what does that mean?" And that's really exciting, but there could be this problem or that problem. So they should be they should be a, a a guiding hand through quite a complex landscape, and not just saying everything you're doing is brilliant, darling. Yeah. Uh, just keep doing what you're doing, and we'll we'll sell it to any Tom, Dick, and Harry will come along. That's um, that's another warning sign. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you were you know you were mentioning about once uh, someone's engaged in architectural PR, the effect that it can have internally on a company, whether actually people getting clear in a single vision, people you know, feeling proud of how their practice is being perceived and the effect that that would have on productivity and the ability to win more work and having more engaged staff and having excellent employees sticking around longer. Um, is That's massive, really, really huge. Yeah, internal communications is really important. And I think... Um, I mean, I really like newsletters. Newsletters are back, apparently. Um, you know, uh, w- once upon a time, everyone was doing e-newsletters and no one was reading them. And then social media came along and everyone said, this is the future. And then social media just became a big white noise. Just, uh, you know, someone described it once as walking to a room with 100 people all shouting at you at the same time. So then the newsletter came back because it was direct marketing. It was saying, this is who we are, this is what we're doing. Uh, look at the beautiful pictures and read some short text. Click on a link if you want to know more. So that's cut through all the chaff now. Mm. But the new, the newsletter, I think, for me anyway, it stems from, in a larger practice, I think you should be doing internal newsletters. Yeah, Project wins, you know, uh, the team, the kind of the office rugby team, you know, uh, in Rogers, it was often like, what's for lunch today in the staff canteen? But I think all of feeding that back into your practice is incredibly powerful. And then, and then as long as it's not confidential information, I think you should have a regular newsletter, which you send out. And then, um, but I think the, the staff, the internal and the external ones can be, should be different. Yeah. Because by the time it goes out, it before, by the time most of that information is publicly ready your staff should know about it but i think it's it's good to keep everyone in the loop you know and then i guess if you're a smaller practice you're not if you send an email out that looks a bit cold to send an email to all your staff but then maybe it's the office meeting maybe you do a weekly or a monthly you know sit around a table have 
have some uh some drinks and and talk about what everyone's up to yeah and on the sort of negative side of things oh just uh, sorry go for it and i just say the reason why that internal communication is so important uh is that your staff are your ambassadors yeah they're going to things you know architects do uh, because they're so curious they do go to a lot of stuff so without you knowing they will be going to a talk or a lecture and then someone will say oh, where do you work and they'll say oh I, you know i work for so-and-so associates and they're like what do you do well a bit of this bit of that you know um some houses i think <laughs> uh you know that's that's no good so your you your staff should be able to instantly say well actually we're a sort of uh a cultural and public space based practice uh we do a bit of this a bit of that and we did this project the other day and we won an award for there and then they've sold they've sold you they've sold themselves so um yeah don't underestimate how important your staff are yeah no totally because again you're kind of perpetuating your message out through all these different avenues and if you haven't got people who are engaged or understand what it is that they're doing you know not only they're going to be a lot less productive but they're not going to be helping um, attract more and more work essentially and the hilarious thing is when you have when I go into these into practices and have meetings with people what's really funny is you'll be sitting around talking about something and then the youngest guy in the room will say oh yeah well that's funny because my friend is actually you know a, a correspondent for the Financial Times writing about architecture never mentioned it before <laughs> and so you know how 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 great is that mm. so I think uh, never underestimate the power of the network within your own building. Yeah, amazing. And then, and then hopefully utilize that. And you, if you if you're really confident, your staff can be doing what we were saying before about blogging, about let them go loose on social media if you don't have the time. Just maybe set some ground rules. <laughs> I was also going to ask about how you know how do you as a PR consultant help companies mitigate things bad press. How do you deal with how do you deal with that when that happens? It's it's quite complex and also quite simple. The first thing you need to do about bad press is get on the phone to your client. If someone rings up and says, you know, I want, uh, you know, we've just heard that this uh, scheme uh, is going to damage part of the city irreparably and everyone's up in arms and they're calling for it to be cancelled and they're blaming you what do you say you just say you know um i'm sorry i'll get back to you um uh you know just just stall them say i can't comment right now and then start speaking to your client the biggest press mess ups happen when client and architect aren't aligned mm. and when they look divided uh in the media that's the worst and then that it's a sure sign that things are going south so i think talk to your client they will you know nine times out of ten they will have a line or a strategy you know a pr strategy that they're working towards and they'll just say don't say anything we're handling it and then you've got to closely watch how it develops and then there are most of the time things will sort of die down after the initial stress um, and then again you need to have more crisis meetings and then very very occasionally you might have to make a really difficult call and say I don't like what's being said in the press I don't like the way my clients handling this 
um let's sit down and write a considered statement and release it but do it calmly do mm. it never never do it in the heat of the moment so if someone does call you or someone emails don't reply straight away just chill and i think <laughs> i think yeah that's the problem the biggest problem is when you know the quote is architect said well i don't give a damn what the local people think you know because you do um and it's yeah the wor- the biggest crisis in crisis prs is mismanagement so just just talk to the whole team mm. talk t- and talk to your any of your collaborators as well because you know you might say oh um architect and developer on board but there are loads of other partners in the project who might be asked to to comment so i think you know so if you're if you've got developer but there's also a local authority involved get them around the table you know just um and just think that things will only get things will get worse quicker if you respond the wrong way rather than saying nothing at all to begin with right and actually yeah just take your time to digest it and actually form a strategy and actually yeah. and actually talk to the people that matter most yeah and, and uh, this is this is this is complex but you know also don't sit on it don't think mm, we'll get back to them in a few days a week yeah. maybe because then it looks like you're ignoring the problem and that you're this big lofty person so it's it's it quick decisive communication followed by uh, a considered response if felt necessary but um yeah so don't react too quick and don't react too slow it's it's the timing is pretty critical yeah yeah crisis comms is is nasty and you know and then sometimes things are handled well but there's just there's nothing you can do about it because the project is doomed for various reasons you know and you might have a nimby who's just so powerful there's nothing you can do about it but hopefully that's not true and hopefully by engaging with people mm. uh, and talking to them you can find a way around the problem. Brilliant. So to sort of summarise, what would you say the most important thing um, an architect should be looking to do if wanting to engage with you know, a PR consultant? I think have a little think to yourself, maybe get all the directors together and think, you know, why are we doing this? Um, don't just hire a PR for the sake of it. Just think, we want more profile, we'll pay someone, they'll deliver it. Just think about why you're doing it, where you're going, and get that all sorted, and then shop around on the internet, um, look at people that work in the field, and and then and then get them get several people into pitch. Don't just go for one, um, because uh, you'll get a different response from each one, and some some of them might surprise you. So think about who you are. Uh, and then and then ask a couple of people for quotes like you would have to. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Rob. And uh, if you want to find out more about Rob, you can visit her, his website on www.robertfine.com. And uh, that was excellent. Thank you very much. Nice. And that is a wrap. Thank you for listening today. If you're looking for more time, freedom, impact, and income as an architect, get instant access to my free four-part architect profit map by visiting freearchitectgift.com. The views expressed on this show by my guests do not represent those of the host, and I make no representation, promise, guarantee, pledge, warranty, contract, bond, or commitment, except to help you conquer the world. Bump music credit to Ben Folds 5, do it anyway.